Welcome to Voicing Startups, where I, Colin Bournes, interview founders and operators changing the world through audio, voice, and conversational technology. This week's episode of the Voicing Startups podcast is a little bit different. Usually, I am interviewing different startups in the audio and voice space, but today I am talking with Mark Layden, general partner at VoicePunch. VoicePunch is an early stage venture capital firm that has a thematic focus on audio and voice tech. The fund has been actively investing since January of 2019 and is in the process of raising our next fund. I actually joined the Voice Punch team about a year ago, and I believe Mark and I working together resulted in us having a really good interview and reflection of a year in voice tech investing. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Voicing Startups. Hello, Mark. Thank you for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Thanks, Colin. Glad to be here. Uh, Can we just start with a quick background of yourself? Hi, so my name is Mark Layden, and I am the uh, founder, initiator, general partner at an early stage voice fund focus called Voice Punch. Um, my background is I was a typical tech uh, entrepreneur and an operator. Uh, was in a bunch of different interesting startups in areas ranging from internet access services to enterprise SaaS software to everything from messaging to mass communication to security and a range of different things here and there and in between. I did that for 21, 22 years until about three years ago, I ventured off from the investment front, uh, which led to uh, really a focused effort around voice technology investing in the beginning of 2019. I launched uh, and have been focused on developing and growing with the help of a cast of characters such as yourself uh, and others and building voice funds into a leading uh, investment platform for investing in voice tech uh, startups. That's awesome. And uh, what sort of started that initial interest in voice? Because you you said you started investing, but then um, and you started out a little bit more general, and then um, later got into voice specific technology. So you could tell me how exactly you got interested in voice, and then the origin story around Voice Punch. That'd be awesome. Sure. So uh, there's probably two different answers to that question. The first one was a little bit of happenstance and that I had been uh, doing some investing in a range of different types of startups um, and was realizing that there wasn't enough focus in the areas I was investing in. And because of that, the ability to add value add besides generalized, generalized uh, help, assistance, operational savvy, and things I've learned in my career but they weren't necessarily the same challenges facing an e-commerce startup or different than ones that are facing a company focused on something like uh, indoor air quality or um, especially apparel. And so just a range of different things. And because of that, I said, I really needed some kind of a better focus. What happened is that around that same point in time, I had been working with someone who had been bringing me into uh, some exciting deals in the area around connected home technology, stick around lighting and switches and, you know, an area that had been somewhat growing health, healthily, but not super exponentially or super quickly. And I realized that or saw that that market started to accelerate. And the reason it was starting to get more interesting was because of what was happening on voice speakers uh, and connected homes were being pulled through. So there's all these you know, larger, a little bit more legacy type organizations doing home 
and home automation. And they're really, I think, great technology, but they really hadn't hit mainstream adoption and really mass until they started to get pulled through from the advent of all these voice speakers and voice assistants. I said, that's kind of interesting. And so through that process, got more interested in what was happening in voice technology and started to dive in a lot deeper. So that was kind of the, I guess, the initial uh, catalyst for getting more focused and thinking about voice as a thing uh, and un- trying to understand what that really meant. So once I started to dive a bit deeper the next part of the conversation led me to is saying, well, why is voice interesting and what does that mean from an investment perspective or opportunity? And there are a number of different, I think, compelling factors as to why voice is kind of at this really interesting intersection or transitional point where um, we're moving not necessarily away from screen-based devices, but we're taking some of those cycles and we're moving into voice-based interactions. And some of the things that are driving that are looking at the density of information contained in voice or the speed and efficiency you can deliver voice information. So we typically speak around like 140 to 150 words per minute. And that's uh, great in comparison to typical modalities on typing or texting is like 40, 50 words per minute. So voice interaction has the capability of delivering a lot more information. And since we're a culture that's really insanely focused on productivity and efficiency, there's some compelling reasons why just from a basic payload perspective, you can get a lot more information more quickly communicated or delivered using voice than you could typing with your fingers or on a keyboard. Um, Another thing that starts to uh, resonate with us was really looking at the fact that a lot of the investments that were happening around artificial intelligence, uh, particularly ones where there was an AI application that had some kind of interface directly to a human, voice became really a part of almost every one of those application models. So it was really interesting to see or observe from the, uh, from the perspective of if you're going to have a successful AI application, you may have the best AI stack, but if you don't have a smooth and fluid voice interaction model, it's probably not going to have, it's not going to deliver all the promises of what it could do. And so that and a bunch of other interesting things, we look at like, you know, besides having payload efficiencies of voice, there's also the fact that you're able to communicate nuance as it relates to voice. And so things like sentiment analysis, the ability to look at intelligence around like voice biomarkers and healthcare. So really that high fidelity nature of the information you can communicate in voice is unparalleled versus text only models. And so, those com- combination of things made us look really hard and saying, hey, what's happening here is really interesting. It's truly different in, in a lot of ways that are somewhat novel and unique. And then on top of that, there's all these interesting companies that are tra- starting to pop up, uh, tra- doing really interesting things within the voice ecosystem. We said, that makes a lot of sense. Let's go ahead and put some wood behind the bat and start a fund, just invest in voice technologies. So that was kind of the uh, origin story behind Voice Punch. Yeah, a lot of different interesting factors leading to a general opportunity. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I wanted to uh, get into uh, sort of the, f- the early days of Voice Punch and 2019 with the beta fund. Um, I'd be curious just to start out with uh, just because you gave some background on the general opportunity that you saw, but I'd be curious to know what your uh, strategy was going into the beta fund in 2019 and then how that strategy sort of evolved over um, the year. So um, going into 2019, the strategy to try and make some, try and not make it too frenetic was we tried to bucket it 
into three distinct categories of uh, companies we were going to look at. And we, so connected home was one of those categories just because we saw the pull through, but we also then broke it off into the application stack and the infrastructure uh, stack and the application side, we really tried to narrow in on things in the areas of hospitality, entertainment, um, healthcare, and education. And we did that not because there aren't probably a hundred, if not a thousand different vertical segments are going to be impacted by voice, if not all of them, but we needed to have some ability to kind of work through it in a logical approach. So that was our initial um, categorization of how we focused in on the market. And as we got further down the curve and started making our first investments, we started to get a little bit smarter in terms of creating specialized filters into what makes um, good voice startups with potential and what are some of the things or guardrails to avoid in terms of investing in voice technology companies. So something that I am specifically interested in, and obviously I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast would be interested in, are the actual investments that have been made with the beta fund and then maybe some of the reasonings behind uh, why you made those investments in the first place. So if you could talk a little bit um, about any of the investments that were made within the beta fund, that'd be awesome. Sure. So I'll give you I'll give you one or two examples, maybe one application uh, type investment and maybe one on the infrastructure side. Um, so at the application layer, one of the markets we were uh, interested on early was around hospitality. And we we're seeing a lot of interest in what was happening and providing a voice type concierge experience. And so we looked at it and said there's a really probably good business reason why in the future you're going to have some type of voice concierge within the hotel industry. And so we, you know, whether it's for just reduction of um, resources, at the front desk, particularly in late shifts or overnight hours when you really, it's hard and don't want to staff all the people you need during the day. And so you need people to answer the phones uh, to provide, you know, I need more towels. Hey, I want to work from room service. And voice is a perfect use case for that within the, uh, within the hotel or hospitality industry. So we dug into that space really deeply and we thought this makes a lot of sense. But as we got further into looking at those specifically within the hotel space, we realized there were some challenges in terms of adoption. And it was just due to the nature of the multiple parties involved in owning and operating and managing a hotel. It wasn't one single entity that had to sign off on the idea of deploying this kind of technology. It was usually two or three. Because of some of those challenges, we kept looking through the space and we realized that, you know, there weren't that those types of multi-party challenges within hospitality or voice concierge uh, within the short-term rental market. And so we found a company um, after scouring the market um, of looking at all the available options that was doing some really unique and innovative things called home service. And they are really focused on not just understanding, hey, how do I provide a voice concierge, but using that information and the conversational AI insights they were gleaning to understand who was having a good experience and who was having a bad experience so that they, in fact, can improve the actual number of good reviews that uh, people in the short-term rental market get for their properties, as well as kind of cutting off early and helping the owner or the host understand how to intercede more quickly into a guest that's having a bad experience. And the results have been very successful. They've, they've done a really nice job of building out what I think is one of the best stacks in the hospitality space for short-term rentals. And we think a lot of the insights and a lot of the good market traction they're seeing, they'll be able to leverage as they continue to grow and mature and ability expanding and covering all the hospitality market, because we think that's a really good area uh, long-term for voice. So 
Another area on the infrastructure, we'll take one of our infrastructure investments, a company, um, actually an international company, because there's, this is maybe a point worth making, Colin, is voice is not a, you know, North America, U.S. centrally only phenomenon. It is truly global. We talk to startups all over the world, um, in Europe, in Asia, Pacific region, um, even South America. We're seeing them cropping up everywhere. And it's because of the huge value creation that's happening around people moving to voice type interfaces and just the desire of the consumer to have these types of experiences. So that's a really um, exciting thing for us to see. So a company invested in and out of Australia called Vox, uh, Vox.io, um, is some, someone we came across through just, you know, our relationships and, and being deep in, in the uh, community where someone said, hey, there's, there's this interesting company doing some really cool things as it relates to voice compression. And we, I, we were not super deep in thinking about voice compression and, and, and why that was important. But after talking to this company and understanding how they're using some really innovative and we think groundbreaking AI models to create these really high compression races in voice, because that's kind of compelling. Because if you see the amount of expansion in the number of voice endpoints, and it's, the numbers are just staggeringly large, um, that it's, you know, it's hundreds of millions, not billions, these things are moving to so quickly. Because of the amount of endpoints out there for voice, it would seem like there's a lot of opportunity for this company um, to be able to capitalize on that movement so that compression becomes important, particularly in, you know, constrained data bandwidth scenarios. But just overall, because of their approach to voice compression, they do some things that allow them to both, you know, atomize what's happening in the voice streams, do some really innovative things around denoising those streams for um, to making uh, noise cancellation or noise removing the noisy parts of the communication stream within the voice, as well as potentially opening up for some innovative new models and security, uh, which is going to be a bigger and bigger issue uh, as we get down the curve. If people start to use more uh, voice more and more, the security and preventing the ability of people to spoof voices uh, or use a synthetic voice, a copycat, is really going to be a bigger issue that's going to have to be solved. So we think it's super exciting what uh, Vox is doing, and they're led by uh, Megan, who's doing an awesome job as a CEO and kind of building out that technology. And so we think there's a lot of promise in that. So um, those are two examples of companies that we've invested in so far. Yeah, they're they're both interesting in their own right, and um, definitely thank you for bringing up the the global part. Uh, it's definitely compelling to see the attention that voice has been getting at not just um, like a national but truly global scale. So uh, definitely exciting for the the larger community that's that's focused on this technology. Um, just to sort of wrap up talking about the the beta fund specifically, I'd be curious just to, to know if you have any other general takeaways from. Um, going through really uh, a year in, in voice investing um, with the beta fund? Sure. So, it, you know, without being rolling up our sleeves and diving in, I think we spoke to about 150 different companies in uh, 2019. Um, we wouldn't have gotten the insights and kind of the guardrails on our investing philosophy that really we've used to help kind of get sharper and uh, in, in picking what we think will be the highest uh, probability winners on the investment front. And so some of the, some of the things we've learned along the way, we have you know, a bunch of filters we've started to codify into our investment thesis around looking at, looking at the application layer. We generally are preferential towards uh, horizontally centric, horizontal, I'm sorry, 
vertical-centric applications versus horizontal applications, at least initially. And a lot of that has to do with um, we avoid horizontal applications for the moment until they get better at doing discovery. And I say that what I mean about discovery is the platforms themselves, it's still not worked out how to really make it easy for the end user to find the application they're looking for. And without having a better capability to do that, it makes it a little bit more difficult um, because it, cry, it creates an extra hurdle around adoption uh, for startups building applications in voice and makes it more difficult that they're too wide or too horizontal to get to that kind of escape velocity uh, speed they need to get to to be successful as as the marketing continues to expand and grow. And so that's one of the things we've, uh, one of the one of the focal points we use to filter out deals as we're looking at the application layer. Um, some things um, we also look at are obviously signaling data. Some of the things we talked about with relationship to like hospitality and having voice concierge in, in, in hospitality environments makes a lot of sense. We see that happening. And the question is, where are the best opportunities there? Um, we look at opportunities and we filter a little bit around trying to find um, companies that aren't constrained to more simplistic command-based interaction models so that as the uh, NLPs and the models get better at understanding human language interaction. Uh, they'll get better in having kind of uh, more turn-based interaction conversational type models that you and I are having on this conversation, where we go back and forth. I ask a question, you have an answer. You ask me a question, you have an answer, and so forth, which is what how human language works. So we look for startups that can capitalize on those advancements that are um, coming. Uh, and that, that gives them more of a glide path as the market accelerates and provides all this additional capability. It'll make their solutions even more compelling. We also look for things we avoid. You know, there's some areas where we find it, um, you know, if startups uh, focus their real differentiation around their NLPs better than anybody else's NLPs, we kind of get a little bit of a, our hairs on the back of our neck stand up. We go, ah, is that really going to be a long-term sustainable advantage? Um, because we're not sure that that really is. Uh, there may be some really narrow, narrow use cases where the NLP might give some lead time and maybe there's some sustainable advantage, maybe, but I think it's probably as a generalized rule a little bit more challenging to make that a key differentiation in terms of the model. Uh, and there's other obvious things, like obviously we're coming into a multimodal world, um, so multimodal things are interesting, uh, adds a little bit of a... Uh, you know, it's still, I think I, I think I saw the number recently is 15% of shipments are multimodal uh, voice-based devices. Um, that number is only going to grow. Um, I think every TV in the future will have some kind of voice assistant or multiple voice assistants programmed into it. You're going to see it across cars and autos where the, you know, the big fight right now in autos is who's going to, who's going to take over all what they call downtime. Uh, which for people listening to podcasts or the radio might be offended, but generally speaking, there is a lot of excess time, uh, particularly in a city like Los Angeles, where you uh, spend a lot of time on freeways driving, there probably is some excess downtime uh, that you can fill. And so there's this interesting battlefront coming up between, you know, people deciding is, you know, is it going to be gaming you're going to spend time doing uh, on your drives or is it going to be productivity related? And so there'll be an, it's not going to be one of the other, it's going to be both, but it's certainly going to be some interesting applications that we're seeing coming about to take advantage of that uh, within the car environment. So those are some of the things and some of the rules we've come up with along the way um, in terms of how do we find the right investments with the best opportunities within the voice tech landscape. So I know that there are different platforms like Amazon, Google, Samsung that have dedicated investment teams um, focused on this audio and, and voice space. Um, but I'd be curious to know what it's like 
sort of being the first of its kind in the the venture community where you have a sort of different end focus um, being returned versus necessarily just growing out the ecosystem. I'd be curious to know what it's like uh, being early in that journey. Great question, Colin. You know, it's uh, definitely interesting in a lot of ways. Um, You know, we weren't the first investment fund. The platform guys, particularly Amazon, was really first with the uh, Alexa fund and some of the other corporate platform players like Google, et cetera, um, all have their own funds. Um, so being early uh, as a venture fund focused on voice tech had some unique set of challenges. And, you know, it, it's one of those things I, I probably answer in two different ways. The first is that um, our mandate as a venture fund is investment first uh, versus the platform players are trying to mature and build the ecosystem. And so their main mandate may be 50% based on return and 50% based on, Hey, this is an interesting technology that might be interesting for the marketplace. And we should probably help support that. So we have some guardrails in terms of what and how we invest that might be a little different than those, uh, corporate funds. But when it comes to being early, uh, because, you know, the first six months after we launched the fund in 2019, I, I get the question two or three times a week saying, hey, you know, uh, we love what you're doing. I think it's awesome. But do you think you're early? And it got to the point where I, I had the same answer I'd, I'd, I'd say every time someone asked me. I said, you know what? Uh, you might be right. We could be early, but it's kind of hard to tell. On the other hand, if we were late, everybody would know. And so for us, we have a very high level of conviction and we're seeing it happen. Even, you know, even six months later, we see it even more accelerating in terms of the direction voice punch is focused on, um, is that voice is a thing. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to only turn around. It's expanding this giant mass of activities happening here. And these really innovative companies are out there taking advantage of this transformation and in user interfaces. And so we're really excited about that. It, the challenges are more one of figuring out the, or, or paving some roads that really haven't been paid before when it comes to having a venture fund just focus on voice tech. But we also think that's a real core advantage for us because it allows us to be really, really focused and really, really deep. So we see things potentially a little bit earlier uh, than some of the other folks uh, may uh, see in the market. And it's just by being there. Showing up is, you know, half the game. Maybe it's you know, eight or nine tenths of the game. And so that's what Voice Punch has really been committed to do. And that's what we're executing against. And so we're super excited about it. We've seen the difference between the first six months versus the last six months is that we're actually seeing a lot more um, A caliber firms moving into the space because they see it as well. And so I'm really excited to see that as kind of validation of our early move. And we think that's going to pay big dividends as we keep moving. So this Last point leads right into kind of the next topic and question um, that I wanted to focus on, which is around 2020 and Voice Punch's Fund One. Um, So I'd really be curious just to start out, why now? Why is now a good time to go out and raise a thematic fund focused on voice? Uh, So the answer to that question revolves around a couple different kind of uh, factors that we see in the marketplace. So um, the introduction, I guess the first real voice assistant with, uh, or at least at the, the device level with uh, Amazon was about five years ago. 
And what we've seen is both the number and types of devices proliferated. It's, you know, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of different devices that have been cropping up and they're integrating voice assistance. So it's not just your smart speaker in your home, it's your TV, it's your car, it's your vacuum cleaner. It's everything is getting the ability to interact or have some kind of voice capacity or capability. And so what we've seen in looking at other transformational changes in user interfaces, such as like the iPhone uh, 0708, is that came out, um, and I think it was like mid-2007, excuse me. It was about five years later when the most interesting uh, applications and, uni- and unicorn-type investments, the um, Ubers of the world, the Angry Birds, those all happened. They didn't happen right when the iPhone came out and people started moving this really visual interface on their smartphones. It really came about five years later when those companies were started. And then it probably took another couple of years before they started to figure out their model and you know, really started to take off. We're right at that five-year intersection point. So we think some of the most compelling investment opportunities uh, within voice applications are really have been created or being created right at this point in time. So we think that makes uh, one, of, one of the signaling data points we're seeing. Another is we're starting to see additional follow-on financings occur uh, as some of the early earliest companies in the voice uh, startup ecosystem are starting to mature and they're starting to get traction both in uh, engagement and usage as well as revenue in terms of building out their customer base. And so the that combination and along with the third thing is on the investment community as well, we're starting to see a wider range of players coming into the space and being interested. And so not only do we spend a lot of time working with startups, we're now spending more and more of our time, in fact, working with other uh, venture firms that are actually interested in understanding the space because even they, you know, they had an inkling to know more, they already have established a voice thesis and they want to share deal flow and opportunities because they're seeing it in the same thing that we saw maybe a step or two early in some ways, but obviously a lot slower than a bunch of other folks. And so we're just going to have to work really, really hard in 2020, but there's no shortage of opportunities and great companies invest in. So we're super excited about moving into our next fund. Yeah, and then the the next question I wanted to ask around uh, Fund One, um, I guess I can kind of lump it into a two-prong kind of question, but uh, what are the goals uh, that you have for this fund? And then what are you really looking for in an investment um, opportunity with this fund maybe versus the, the beta fund from before? Um, so let me take the second question first, what we're looking for now versus the beta fund. And so while I, I felt like we have some sensibilities based on both operating pedigree and the team we put together at Voice Punch and the beta fund to really kind of figure out the right deals, there's still a high signal to noise ratio. And the deeper we get into the space, the better we're able to establish kind of those um, operating mandates. Uh, and rules of the road in terms of really sussing out what are the best investment opportunities. And so those those rules have gotten more codified and a lot more mature over the course of the year. So I think we're we're better at seeing sooner what probably is a good fit for voice punch and what is not for investment criteria. So w- there's a lot more efficient use of our time in actually sorting through what the right startups are uh, for uh, us to be investing in. And then what do we look for? You know, it, it's, it's a, you know, the cliche comes back to the team is always critical. We look for opportunities that follow along some of those kind of uh, signaling light posts we look for in the marketplace for applications that make a lot of sense. 
We look for things that benefit as the market expands, both in distribution as well as functionality and capabilities uh, of voice. And we look for um, the opportunity to be able to add some level of value in the investments by our own um, both historical background as our as well as our knowledge and expertise and understanding how to help entrepreneurs who are navigating the voice ecosystem. We want to be able to add that value. We want to make sure investment companies where that makes a lot of sense. So, so there, those are some of the things. There's a lot of lot of uh, things we look at. Um, and we just try and um, use those to help be guideposts to make the smartest investment decisions we can. So to sort of wrap up this interview, this uh, podcast, I'd be curious to know, over the next five to 10 years, really the next decade, um, what gets you excited and what makes you bullish about this voice space? So, you know, I look at the voice space right now and where we are kind of on that um, time horizon. We're probably just starting to end the first inning. So we're so early in terms of how voice is going to be, you know, that future view of like the Jetsons where they sit there and they talk to the robots and the robots talk back as naturally as you and I. That's the future. We all know it's going to happen. So that's a voice first world. Um, we know that will happen. And so for us, it's really exciting for me personally, I can't wait to have that experience, uh, become a reality. And so we every day are surprised by some of the new and innovative things we're seeing in some of these voice startups. And so I I am super bullish because it's not as even a, even a high risk bet that that world, uh, that outcome is going to happen. So once you get to that point of conviction, it's really just fun because you're saying, okay, who, where are the most exciting and interesting opportunities where we think we're going to get an alpha level venture return? And, and how do we make those investments? And, you know, the only thing I wish is I wish I had uh, more uh, move faster and more resources sooner because we're going to miss out on opportunities just by the fact that either, you know, there's, there's only so many deals we can find time to look at and, and there's only so many places we can be. There's so much happening on a global basis with nuance within the Asia Pacific division or area within the European arena, Africa, South America, everyone is cropping up everywhere. And so there's no shortage of opportunity. It's a kid in the canyon to a problem. So what we're really excited about is that there's so much opportunity there and we just have to be really smart in finding the best investments going to deliver returns for our investors. So that gets me excited and gets me charged to come into work every day. Yeah, thanks for that. That's uh, super exciting. It's gonna be interesting to see where this space goes, and I'm uh, I'm really excited to be you know part of this space and along for the ride. Um, so for all the different people that are listening, whether it's people starting their own companies, whether it's other investors or people that are just sort of interested in what you're doing in the voice space, uh, where's the best place to follow Voice Punch, follow you, and and what you're uh, what you're working on? Lots of places to connect. You know, if we haven't. Uh had a chance to connect or heard have you on our radar at all please reach out via our website um you can follow our blog or on social media uh, voicing starts podcast which you do Colin, is a great way to see some of the great companies that we're excited about uh and some that we might get uh investing in so there's there's no shortage of ways to connect with us we're at uh events as much as we can be um so please don't be shy uh we we want to meet you if you're in the community and you have an idea even if it's really, really early, um, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, and I'll make sure to link those spots in the show notes. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tom, for having me. I really enjoyed it and appreciate it. 
This podcast is sponsored by Voice Punch VC. Voice Punch is a venture capital fund that is focused on voice-driven and voice-connected technology. So if you are a company or an entrepreneur that has a product that is in this sort of space, much like a lot of the different companies that I am interviewing, then you should reach out to the team by going to voicepunch.vc. 